have your Bibles and want to turn there, we're going into 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Paul ended chapter 12, you know, saying, I'm going to show you a more excellent way. And here he is going to show us the most excellent way that you and I, as Christians, should, should live, should be. I don't know if you're a parent, but I know this. I do this every night for my kids. I make sure before my little ones, who are now uh, 10 and 11, before they go to bed, I always say, I love you, kid. One of my kids now doesn't like that. She doesn't like to be called kid. But, but they like the I love you. And sometimes I vary it. Sometimes I say I adore you. I so want them to hear that I embrace them. No matter what their day has been, no matter what's happened to them. And nothing is more important, I think, as the base for our families and our relationships than love. I say that because God is love. I don't mean the flashy roses and Valentine's Day and those sorts of things. That's fantastic too. But really when we talk about Christian love, we talk about steady, steadfast, self-sacrificing care. Everything's built on it. It's enduring love that forms the best of us. And so as we go today and we go into love and the chapter on love, I, I want you to to do two things, really. I want you to see it, but really I want you to hear it. And I'd like to challenge you this morning. If you've read the Bible at all or if you've been around the anywhere, you, you've heard about love and you've heard about this particular definition of love. But I'm interested in what you hear when we go through it. So, so I want to do that with you. First, we have to spend some time and see it. We have to see what it is. We have to see how it impacts. We have to look. So we're going to look first. And so I'm, I'm calling this for seeing love. And we're going to pick it right up and go through this chapter. It's not a long chapter. We can read it all. And we, I want you just to see how amazing love is, how important it is. Okay, so 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let's take a look. Verse 1. Paul writes this. After saying... Now I will show you a more excellent way. He says, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have all faith so as to move mountains, but have not love, nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Okay, that I, I hope as you boys, I dealt on this this week and thought through, it's like, wow, this is, it's so essential to what it means for you and I to live it's the key ingredient, right, to worthwhile living, to worthwhile deeds. It's sweet, amazing words that without love there's nothing. The, the, the depth of incredible insight that you might have, the study you might do, the, all the knowledge you might get. If you don't, if you don't have this self-sacrificial care, it's nothing. Massive generosity, right? Incredible self-sacrifice without this care. Worthless. So love's incredibly important. I, I think we read this. It's kind of self-evident self, self uh, evident that if you don't have love, there's 
no good in you. And this is the most excellent way because there's lots of people, we just came off a whole chapter saying, hey, desire to prophesy, desire to have knowledge, desire to do all these good works, but I'll tell you the most best, most amazing thing is that you would love. We see it all over the New Testament. We see it all over the Old Testament. Our God is a God of steadfast love. Love is the essential ingredient to a life that matters. You're with me, right? That's not like rocket science. That's like a Bible. Okay, it keeps going. What is this love? I want to know. i, I got to know a little bit more about it. Now, you said love. What does it mean? So that's he tells you. He says love is equal sign. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. There's a definition, right? Both positive and negative. He's, he's trying to flesh out for us what what this looks like, what it is. It's patient. That means it waits totally without a personal agenda. It just is, it can't be pushed off being caring for someone, just patiently waiting. Kind, thoughtful, gentle, light, no envy in it. It's not after any self-fulfillment, not at all. No boasting, not, not after getting anything for itself, right? No pride in any sense in love. No arrogance or rudeness, absolutely aware and sensitive to the other. Not insisting on its own way. That means submissive, right? Willing to give way in anything. Not irritable or resentful. So never sad at what the other person, the object of your love gets or how they act. Not frustrated. Not rejoicing at wrongdoing. Rejoicing in the truth. So good and true and Joyful all the way through. Bears all things. No burden is too great. Takes burdens on itself. Shares burdens with people. Believes all things. Never loses faith and trust and in the object of its love. Hopes all things. Never loses hope, right? Even for a moment. Endures all things, never falters, even when mistreated and misunderstood, and it's not reciprocated, this love, it still endures. It, it, it's true all the way through. Man, it's a picture of total, absolute, wondrous, kind, supportive care. There's no hint of fairness or equality in it. It's totally about the other. There's no self at all. Tell you what, I want this. I want to have it. I want to experience it. I want to do it. I want to give it. This is wondrous and true. This is the more excellent way. And not just that, but this is eternal, Paul says, right? Look what he says. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. 
When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I've been fully known. Stop there for a minute for me. What is he saying? He's saying the supremacy and enduring nature of love, right? The argument sometimes people say is that this is talking about the close of the canon, that prophecy and knowledge will end when the perfect comes, i.e. when all the writings are done. But that's not really, I think, what Paul's talking about. He's talking about love. He's saying we only know some, you know. And when Jesus comes, we're going to know it all. But I'll tell you what, the experience of love, real love, will never end. We only know partially. We don't know fully. So our knowledge might not be right. We don't see clearly, so prophecy might be added to, but when we see the end, when we get to the end, we will see clearly, and we will see, what will we see? That God is love. So now, he says, verse 13, faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Say, man, faith is so important. It is, but you know, faith, when the Lord comes, will become what? Sight. You will not have faith anymore. Faith is what you don't see. We're going to see. Hope. Hope will end. Why? Jesus will be here. I don't need to hope anymore when Jesus appears. My hope that he might come back is going to be fulfilled. It's going to be done. No more hope needed because he's here. But love, on the other hand, love I will experience for how long? Eternity. That's my God. Love is forever. Okay, so you go through that with me, and that's chapter 13. And you have seen, I hope, in in very short time, really, the depth and the wonder that love is. I hope you agree with me. It's not difficult to see. I see the beauty of it. It's the most excellent way to live. I, but but I wonder, as as you go through that, and you go through it with me even there, what you hear. It's not just about seeing this love. What do you hear? How do you take it in? What does this seeing this amazing description of love birth in you? And I hope it births first a longing for it. Because what we need is love. There's no question, right? It's the world's need. If each of us would just care for the other instead of fighting for us, then that's the end of wars, right? On a personal level, if, if I would love, my relationships would go so much better. I long to feel loved, to experience it in my relationships, all of them. And so, so isn't this what we need? And I think the answer is yes. This echoed in our culture, by the way. Even when I just said, all we need is love, I could put it to notes and it would be a Beatles song. We watched a movie um, last night. It was about, I don't, I forget the, it's, God was in it. It was about a, a, he he made a man build an ark. It wasn't Noah though. It was like a modern day thing. And and Morgan Freeman's there playing God. And at the end he kind of says, ark, A-R-K, actions of random kindness. That's what we need. What is he saying? We need love. Is he right? Yeah, (laughs) he's right. 
man, we could use love. We could use more love everywhere. But, but it's, it's more than that, right? It's more than that for you and I as we walk through this. It's, it's the command of God. Isn't it cool that God sees our need and he says, this is what I want you to do? And you realize that's what he has said all through the Bible? Let me give you a couple just, just, I mean, you know these, but I'll throw them up. Teacher, says the Pharisee, what's the greatest commandment in the law? What does, what does God want us to do? And Jesus, that's the he there in verse 30, uh, 57 to 37, 37. Says, and, and Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is the first and greatest. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Everything I've said to you, this law that I've given you is that you would do what? Love. Love. It's the law of God to love. It's the only debt you have. Romans 13 says, owe no one anything. You don't owe anybody anything, says, except to love one another. For the one who loves one another has fulfilled the law. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. John, at the end of his life, he's writing these letters. He says, oh, beloved, he says to his precious children in the Lord and the faith, he says, beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Oh, I like it. You see, it's the command of God. It's the need of the world. And it's also rational. Christian, rationally, it's what we ought to do. God's laws for our good. He sees what we really need. He lays it out for us. And so I declare to you today with all of my heart, with all of my strength, with all of my might, that the very best action you can take for your life is to love. For your success in life and family and jobs and all that you do, love one another. Every moment of every day. Commit to it. Press in. Don't stop. Grab at it. Go. The Bible is unceasing. And as right here, absolutely declaring to you, this is the best way to live. Come talk to me anytime because I'm happy to give tips. Better ways to love, to stir us up to love, to love each other, to love from us in this pure, fantastic, wonderful way. You need to love your spouse. Oh, your marriages. You need to love your kids. Oh, they need it. You need to love each other. And and, and above all, you need to love God. Purely from the heart. As you pause and you hear that this morning, I hope you see it's true. It doesn't go away when you become a Christian. That is true. It's rational. It's good. It's commanded. It's God's precious wisdom. Nay, his command for us. And so my question becomes for you and me. We, we can't stop there. You've got to take one more step, which is what? How are you doing? How are you doing? Because if you're really going to hear it and you're going to hear that, you're going to take it one of a couple ways, right? Now, let's just go ahead and do it. Go ahead and put your name in. You ever done this? It's good to do. 
I put it with I, but I did Dax when I first did it. It was much more impactful. So at home, do your name. But here, just look at it and do it with me. I am patient. Are you? I'm kind. Always. I never envy or boast. I'm not arrogant or rude. I never insist on my own way. I'm, I'm never irritable or resentful. I, I, I never rejoice at wrongdoing. I rejoice with the truth. Even the truth about me. I bear all things for people. I believe all things for people. <laughs> Sorry. I hope always in everything for you. I endure always for you. Honestly, can I say ouch? I love my kids. Do not get me wrong. But I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what. I love them so much. Just like parents have gone before me and we scar our children. Because I am not perfect in what I do. They, they, they'll probably need counseling when they're 25. I hope not. But you know what? I know, looking back, my parents loved me. And they, they weren't perfect, right? I adore my spouse. I love her. But, but sometimes we don't talk to each other because we're frustrated at each other. Does that bear up to the definition? No. No, it doesn't. All the ways we love, is it not true? All the ways we love are flawed. Honestly, I said, well, I'm just looking for fairness, you know. There is no fairness in love. It's not getting us up to the same spot. It's a thousand percent the other person and zero of you. That's love. We try to tamp down the bad. We try to increase the good. But the problem is we remain. And, 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 and so really, really, I'm trying for the people closest to me even because I see this is important and it's worth working on and it's the Word of God. So I do the best I can. And I think, well, well, I'm working on it. I see the need. I try. And, and if I'm honest, really for me, it's the last three that get me bearing all things and hoping all things and, and, and believing all things and enduring all things. Stop for a minute. What you're hearing and how we're hearing it is the law. What do you know about the law? You know something really important. It, what? Accuses you. When you know your need and you see the command and you don't love as you ought... Remember Jesus in Luke 10? We read it a little while ago. Jesus is talking to this young man, and the young man is obviously a, a, a good guy. He, he, he's, he's done lots of stuff. He says, I, I just need to know, Jesus, who's my neighbor, because I need to know who to love. I've got this love thing down, I just need to know. And Jesus gives him such a story of love that there's no way he's doing it. What's the response supposed to be? Wait, 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 the guys that hate me and want to kill me, I'm supposed to be like that to them? I'm supposed to love my enemies like that? No, wait, wait a minute. No, no, Jesus, I can't. Aha. Aha. Let me give you an example. 
I walk by sometimes on Sunday morning. They do a little homeless camp down here in the, by the river, and there's sometimes a homeless gentleman there sleeping in that. I usually have to have a move because we can't block the exit to the church and stuff. If I really loved him, wouldn't I sit with the guy? And I not just ask him to, to move, but really get to know who he is, what concerns he has, the depth of what he needs. And, and, and not so I can give him a sandwich and say, hey, 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 the Lord loves you and have a sandwich and there you go. Why not a relationship over the next 10 years where I, I focus my life on that? I, I forget working at the church. I just go love on that man. Well, that's not very practical, Dax. I know, I'm just talking about love. Talk about experience of love. And, and, but, but, but he says, well, well, what we're trying to do is we're trying to get a certain level of love. Yeah, but it's not this love. We do some love. We kind of do the, the love that we think is appropriate, kind of a, a, a lower thing, a, a human thing, to say, yeah, I'm giving everyone opportunity, or I'm, I'm making sure everyone has a little, or I, I'm making sure there's, there's, there's more than I have. So, so and, and even people who are in that situation, well, he needs to love me. How is he loving me? Well, he's not in a position to love you right now. What does that mean? It doesn't say anything about uh, what resources you have. What's the truth? We don't love like this. It never takes away from the reality that we ought to. It's never enough. It's never enough. I always see my lack. How I long for more. How I really want to love. How I want my kids to just experience true love for me and nothing else. None of me and my frustrations or me and my desires for them or me and my want. I just want for them. And then I see, this is the best area for me because I love them so much. I see my failure. Don't you? Yes, you don't have to see my failure. See, Ro? So what's what's going on? Why am I going here? What's 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 the point? Because the Bible says things like this in James. If you really fulfill the royal law according to Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. Am I doing well? Because it's paired with stuff like this. For by the works of the law, what's the law again? Loving your neighbor. No human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. What does my definition of love do? It shows me I don't love very well. I ought to. The whole law is fulfilled in one word, Galatians 5 says. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. It remains good. He's speaking to Christians. This is good. Oh, love your neighbor as yourself. It's paired with this earlier in the chapter, lest you not get it. For all who rely on works of the law are under what? A curse. For it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law and do them. How does the law summarize again? Love. Love. Okay, this is where we are so far. Love is the very best way. I agree. And we fall short. I do not love you as I ought. You don't love me as you ought. 
I'm always open to rebuke. So are you. That's the truth. And guess what? Part of love is what? Agreeing with the truth. So how should I, how should I see? What do I do? I, I, I think one of the things we're missing is where's Jesus? Where's our Savior? But God, here's Ephesians, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us. And he goes on right there in Ephesians 2. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, but here's God and he makes you alive and here's God and he, he does all this stuff for you. He sends Jesus to die for you. Why does he do it? He loves you. First Corinthians 13 kind of love. Real love. So, so, so go, go, would you do this with me? Try this one on for size. Jesus is patient. Isn't he? Oh, I'm such a sinner, and he's so patient with me. Jesus is kind. There's a tenderness and a sweetness and a softness to my Savior. Jesus doesn't envy. He doesn't begrudge me anything. He doesn't boast. Jesus isn't arrogant or rude. Oh, he's humble and soft and lowly. Jesus never insists on his own way. No, no, he went to the cross for me so I would live. Jesus isn't irritable or resentful. He's not going, man, I wish I didn't have to do that for you, Swanson. He did it for me because he loves me. And he loves you too. Jesus never rejoices at wrongdoing. Never ever do we say, oh, sin, we just love it and we embrace it and Jesus embraces sin. No, but he loves the sinner. And he hates wrongdoing. He rejoices with the truth. He bears all things. Oh, yes, he did. He does still every burden we put on him. Take up my yoke, he says to us, for my burden is what? Easy. My load is what? Light. Uh, Jesus believes all things. He, he totally trusts the Father. He looks at us and loves us. He's for us and with us. He hopes all things. He endures all things. Yes, he has. Right? He left his throne. He came to earth. He died for me and for you. We all know John 3.16. But, but, but see a couple more, would you? This is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us. He sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. This is what it's saying. This is what love is. I want to tell you what love is. It's what God did in Christ for you and for me. So we have come to know and understand, this is still 1 John, that to, and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Abiding in love means you're remaining in the love of God. You stay believing that God loves you in Christ. That's who you are. Romans says it too. Let me give you a couple in Romans. Hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that's been given to us. Whose love am I experiencing? God's. A few verses later, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
The death of Christ is the biggest act of love the world's ever seen. And if you start seeing the most excellent way, it is Christ's love for you, for me. It is frighteningly deep. It is a loss of self. It is a total submission to the other. It is a total laying down of his life for the other, for us. It is perfect patience, perfect kindness, bearing every burden without regard to fairness or worthiness. It is hoping always. It is no flagging based on failure or lack. It is total endurance. It is not stopping even for a moment. This is love. This is Christ for us. This is beautiful. Love is the best way. We all fall short, but Jesus loves us. You realize as we conclude, this is beautiful. And it never says, stop trying. I think as we see the reality of these things and we see that our love falls short, our thing is saying, well, I'm just going to stop loving. It never stops. It stays there so you might always see your lack. You're supposed to see your lack. And yet it's beautiful. It's who you should be. So it's always there, right? You should do more. Never ends. Except in Christ. This is a realization, right? The continued law that you and I see is not an evil law. It's a rational, wonderful obligation that God says is best for you and for me. Do it. At the same time, don't you see how it begins to work on you? The the greatest danger in your life is you think you are doing it. The greatest danger for you is not to think you need Jesus. It's to stop around going, hey, I think I've accomplished, I'm loving pretty well. Compared to who? Well, obviously, compared to you, Dex, <laughs> you're, you're terrible. Well, I get it, but I'm not the standard. The standard is what? 1 Corinthians 13. Okay, great. Let's go through 1 Corinthians 13 and see how you're doing. Do you really love the truth as we go through? And I point out your flaws. Well, I'm pointing out yours then. Okay. We can both go to our knees before the Savior. My identity's in Christ now, right? It's totally different. And, and, and so I still see the, the wonder of love. I, I long for a kingdom that has no lack. I long for love in every corner, every niche, and every place. And, and, but it's not about Christ in me getting there. The response isn't about measuring progress to make this world a better place, but trust Jesus. The beauty is there and we long for it. This is good. The try doesn't go away. This is good. But the fulfillment, the wonder, the response is you are loved this way. Perfect love is yours in Christ. I guess what I'm trying to get you to see in this text is as you hear it, you hear it as law and you hear it as gospel. They are both beautiful things. The law is that you're never off the hook to love. You never give up on what is right, beautiful, and true. But you see on this earth that it's not you. You are not worthy because you love. You don't love enough. Christ has never formed in you enough. His example is what you should always be. Of course you should be like Jesus. Jesus was perfect. Hint. You aren't. The gospel, though, is always what? I'm off the hook. I had to die to the law to get to Christ. 
I'm always totally loved and loving in Christ for me. Jesus loving for me. There's no shame, just humble amazement that you're loved like this. And when you see it, you, you actually respond. You, you know, you, this is why love happens. And, and we see this, like, for example, as we end in 1 John 4, 19, he ends. We love why? Because he first loved us. Look, you might see some love coming up. It won't be your love. How do I know that? Well, Galatians 5.22, it says the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. So the Spirit in you could bear love. What, Christ? That would be so cool. I would love to see that. I never think it's mine. And by the way, if it's not mine, then also if you love, it's not yours. So therefore, we're not measuring progress. You just can't do it, right? The same Spirit's in both of us. The Holy Spirit bearing fruit out of trusting that Jesus Christ is love for us. So I call you today to see this wonderful law and see this amazing gospel and hold on to the wonder that your Father in Christ has his arms around you and he won't let go, not ever. It's amazing. Rejoice in the wonderful.